Good morning and welcome to Infinite Coffee with Michael and Deanne Goss. Thank you again for joining us as we explore our infinite nature and gain practical understanding of how to utilize more of our infinite potential. Now we have our coffee, we have a great book, and now we have you. We are continuing the creative process in the individual by Thomas Trower. Last time, we concluded chapter three, The Divine Ideal. Today, we're beginning chapter four, The Manifestation of the Life Principle. So, let's get on into this. We must bear in mind that what we have now reached is a principle or universal potential, only we have located it in the individual. But a principle as such is not manifestation. Manifestation is the growth proceeding from the principle. That is to say, some form in which the principle becomes active. At the same time, we must recollect that though a form is necessary for manifestation, the form is not essential for the same principle may manifest through various forms. Just as electricity may work either through a lamp or a tram car without in any way changing its inherent nature. In this way, we are brought to the conclusion that the life principle must always provide itself with a body in which to function. Though it does not follow that this body must always be of the same chemical constitution as the one we now possess. We might well imagine some distant planet where the chemical combinations with which we are familiar on Earth did not obtain. But if the essential life principle of any individual were transported thither, then by the law of the creative process, it would proceed to clothe itself with a material body drawn from the atmosphere and substance of that planet. And the personality thus produced would be quite at home there, for all his surroundings would be perfectly natural to him. However different the laws of nature might be there from what we know here. In such a conception as this, we find the importance of two leading principles to which I have drawn attention. First, the power of spirit to create ex nihilo. And secondly, the individual's recognition of the basic principle of unity giving permanence and solidity to the frame of nature. By the former, the self-recognizing life principle could produce any sort of body it chose. And by the latter, it would be led to project one in harmony with the natural order of the particular planet, thus making all the facts of that order solid realities to the individual and himself a solid and natural being to the other inhabitants of that world. But this would not do away with the individual's knowledge of how he got there. And so, supposing him to have realized his identity with the universal life principle sufficiently to consciously control the projection of his own body, he could at will disintegrate the body which accorded with the conditions of one planet and constitute one which accorded just as harmoniously with those of another, and could thus function on any number of planets as a perfectly natural being on each of them. He would, in all respects, resemble the other inhabitants with one all-important exception, that since he had attained to unity with his creative principle, he would not be tied by the laws of matter as they were. 
Anyone who should attain to such a power could only do so by his realization of the all-embracing unity of the Spirit as being the foundation of all things. And this being the basis of his own extended powers, he would be the last to controvert his own basic principle by employing his powers in such a way as to disturb the natural course of evolution in the world where he was. He might use them to help forward the evolution of others in that world, but certainly never to disturb it. For he would always act on the maxim that order is heaven's first law. Our object, however, is not to transfer ourselves to other planets, but to get the best out of this one. But we shall not get the best out of this one until we realize that the power which will enable us to do so is so absolutely universal and fundamental that its application in this world is precisely the same in any other. And that is why I have stated it as a general proposition applicable to all worlds. The principle being thus universal, there is no reason why we should postpone its applications till we find ourselves in another world. And the best place and time to begin are here and now. The starting point is not in time or locality, but in the mode of thought. And if we realize that this point of origination is spirit's power to produce something out of nothing, and that it does this in accordance with the natural order of substance of the particular world in which it is working, then the spiritual ego in ourselves, as proceeding direct from the universal spirit, should be able first to so harmoniously combine the working of spiritual and physical laws in its own body as to keep it in perfect health. Secondly, to carry this process further and renew the body, thus eradicating the effects of old age. And thirdly, to carry the process still further and perpetuate this renewed body as long as the individual might desire. If the student shows this to one of his average acquaintances who has never given any thought to these things, his friends will undoubtedly exclaim, Tommy Rot, even if he does not use a stronger expletive. He will at once appeal to the past experience of all mankind, his argument being that what has not been in the past cannot be in the future. Yet he does not apply the same argument to aeronautics and is quite oblivious of the fact that the sacred volume which he reverences contains promises of these very things. The really earnest student must never forget the maxim that principle is not bound by precedent. If it were, we should still be primitive savages. To use the creative process, we must affirm the creative power. That is to say, we must go back to the beginning of the series and start with pure spirit, only remembering that this starting point is now to be found in ourselves. For this is what distinguishes the individual creative process from the cosmic one. I'm going to stop here for just a second. So it says here, to use the creative process, we must affirm the creative power. That is to say, we must go back to the beginning of the series and start with pure spirit. Affirm, it says we must affirm the creative power. So affirm 
here's some definitions, means to confirm or ratify, to state or assert positively, to maintain as true, to express agreement with or commitment to. So we must maintain as true the creative power. And the beginning of that power is pure spirit. Only that the difference is, is the pure spirit that we are beginning with is actually within us. It's found inside of ourselves. It's not outside, it's inside. And that is what makes this different from, from the creative process, from God's perspective, the cosmic creation. Okay, we'll continue. This is where the importance of realizing only one originating power instead of two interacting powers comes in. For it means that we do not derive our power from any existing polarity, but we are going to establish polarities which will start secondary causation on the lines which we thus determine. So we get to take on or assume the position, the same position that God started with, which is he starts with pure power first, and then from then establishes the polarity. So I think that's an important distinction that we need to understand is that there is nothing between us and the pure power and the power of spirit. There's nothing that gets in the way of that. There's nothing that can prevent its use except us. And it comes back to we need to continue to affirm the creative power. We need to continue to believe and understand the truth of the creative power and that that power comes from within ourselves because the spirit is where the power originates and the spirit is us. So we are the power. We are the source of it. And by we, we are a product of the spirit, God's spirit. Therefore, it is the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and me. That's not only what Troward is saying, but that's also the teaching of the Bible. And earlier, and, and you know, some might draw back a bit when they hear him talking about us having the ability to reconstitute our body on another planet, and it's going to somehow be perfectly at home on that planet the way it would here. That this form that we take here is simply because we're on Earth, and this form, our body, is appropriate for the planet of Earth. It may not be appropriate for another planet that has a different chemistry makeup. And so the thought is, well, then we couldn't exist there. You got to remember, our body is not who we are. Our body is just a form. It's just a physical packaging while we're here on the earth. When we leave the body, the body stays here because the body is a product of the earth. If we were to be elsewhere, whatever would be appropriate for that location, that's the form that we would take. Now, in the New Testament, there are examples, because there's examples of Jesus doing this. There's examples of Jesus being in one place and then immediately being somewhere else. There's record of him entering rooms that were locked. How did he accomplish those things? Once again, it was through an understanding of how to take up and put off 
this physical form. So that's no less than in the Bible. And so if we can believe the Bible on, on anything, we can believe it on this as well, that we do have this ability. The reality is most people, myself included at this point, have not developed our understanding to the point to where we can do this at will. But that doesn't mean it's not possible. It just means we don't know yet how to do it. And so just as though we didn't always know how to fly, it doesn't mean we can't fly. It just means we need to learn more about how all of this works. But this is, in a sense, showing the extreme elements of what we're learning about, that there are an even higher and higher levels of this that we can take advantage of as we continue to go on. But really, that's not what the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to learn how to use this process to, in effect, to manifest right here in, in the earth. And so the process, once again, is to start with your spirit. We're affirming the creative power, but then also understand, and I love what he says here, that principle is not bound by precedent. Just because it's never happened before doesn't mean it can't happen. And just because it hasn't happened in your life, just because it hasn't happened in my life, just because it hasn't happened yet today or yet this week or yet this year doesn't mean that the power is in any way inhibited because principle is not bound by precedent. And we have to keep that in the forefront of our thinking because at the end of the day, all of this process works by faith a belief in something that we cannot see. If this has happened before, then we're not dealing with faith. We're dealing with experience. And I was listening to a gentleman yesterday, and he was talking about memories and, and going back, because the question was, how accurate are our memories? And he made the statement that we're horrible at remembering because we typically don't remember the actual event. We typically remember a memory of the event. How the mind really works is as we experience things, we attach meaning to those things. We attach reason. We attach you know, why this happens. Uh, we attach how these things happen. We create a lot of that, and it's all done in our mind. It's not actually something that necessarily occurred, but it gets attached to the memory. It gets attached to that, uh, that experience. And so the experience itself is a small, small portion. What our mind makes of that experience, and especially in the time that passes after the fact, what our mind makes of it and creates out of it far exceeds many times what actually occurred. And so typically speaking, when we're remembering an experience, we're not remembering actually the experience. We're remembering a memory. And in some cases, it's a memory of a memory of a memory of a memory. It's been passed down through memory so many times that it retains potentially very little of actually what occurred. Now, where this applies to our success and manifestation has to do with the things that we attribute that created success in the past. Um, many times we will attribute that to things that may or may not 
have been directly contributing factors for the success or for the manifestations that we've experienced up to this point. Now, sometimes it it be it will be like, and they do this a lot with uh, contributing factors, uh, say on a death certificate. And what they'll do many times is they'll attempt to identify, well, what was it that was the primary cause of death? But then they'll have all these other factors that were maybe in and around it person was eating, so there were foods involved. Uh, the person takes vitamins, so there's vitamins involved. Uh, the person was drinking alcohol, so potentially alcohol is a contributing factor. All of these things will be considered as a part of the contributing factors because they were in the area. It's kind of like, in a sense, saying that you gotta, we got to eliminate firefighters because every time we have a fire, there's always firefighters around. And that would be a misunderstanding of why the firefighters were there. So many times we, we assign and give value to things around success, let's say, or to a manifestation, and we make an assumption that that's what caused it. That was a primary causation, and therefore if we will replicate that action, we'll get a similar result. And really that's not the way manifestation occurs. And so we have to understand that it's the creative process that's always at work. Even though there are actions that we may take, the actions themselves are a secondary causation. They're not the primary causation. And that's where we have to, I think, deconstruct some of this so that we understand what comes first and be a part of creating the primary causation first and maintaining that and then the form that it takes, meaning the actions that are taken, they may be different. The power is the same. The actions can be very different. And just a, a quick aside from that, if you go back to many of the miracles that Jesus performed in his, um, when he was on the earth, he performed many of the, the miracles themselves turned out to be the same uh, outcome. But the process that he used was varied. It was never quite the same. And I believe that the reason why that was is he didn't want people to ever get the idea that it was the process of what he physically did that made the difference. It ultimately came down to the belief system of the recipient. And so whether he said the words, whether he touched them, whether he you know spit on mud and put the mud on them, it didn't seem to matter what his physical actions were there was something that preceded the physical action. And that's the principle. And that's what we're endeavoring to uncover here uh, with Troward. So let's continue on. This is also where the importance comes in of recognizing that the only possible originating movement of spirit must be self-contemplation. For this shows us that we do not have to contemplate existing conditions, but contemplate the divine ideal and that this contemplation of the divine ideal of man is the self-contemplation of the spirit from the standpoint of human individuality. Then the question arises, if these principles are true, why are we not demonstrating them? Well, when our fundamental principle is obviously correct and yet we do not get the proper results, the only inference is that somewhere 
or other, we have introduced something antagonistic to the fundamental principle, something not inherent in the principle itself, and which therefore owes its presence to some action of our own. Now, the error consists in the belief that the creative power is limited by the material in which it works. If this be assumed, then you have to calculate the resistances offered by the material. And since by the terms of the creative process, these resistances do not really exist, you have no basis of calculation at all. In fact, you have no means of knowing where you are, and everything is in confusion. This is why it is so important to remember that the creative process is the action of a single power and that the interaction of two opposite polarities comes in at a later stage and is not creative, but only distributive. That is to say, it localizes the energy already proceeding from the single power. This is a fundamental truth which should never be lost sight of. So long, however, as we fail to see this truth, we necessarily limit the creative power by the material it works in. And in practice, we do this by referring to past experience as the only standard of judgment. We are measuring the fifth kingdom by the standard of the fourth, as though we should say that an intellectual man, a being of the fourth kingdom, was to be limited by the conditions which obtain in the first or mineral kingdom. To use scriptural language, we are seeking the living among the dead. And moreover, at the present time, a new order of experience is beginning to open out to us. For well-authenticated instances of the cure of disease by the invisible power of the Spirit are steadily increasing in number. The facts are now too patent to be denied. What we want is better knowledge of the power which accounts for them. And if this beginning is now with us, by what reason can we limit it? The difference between the healing of disease and the renewal of the entire organism and the perpetuation of life is only a difference of degree and not of kind. So that the actual experience of increasing numbers shows the working of a principle to which we can logically set no limits. Wow. So once again, we have gone from the ability to live on any other planet to now we can eliminate and eradicate any and all disease, renew the entire organism of the physical body so that it can live as long as we want it to live, and there is no limit to what can be accomplished through this power. Now, I was thinking, I think it's in the book of Psalms, maybe 103. Yeah, I think it's Psalm 103, maybe verse 5. But that my mouth is satisfied with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles and not the eagles the rock group because they're really old and i don't think they're being renewed anytime soon although they're still out there doing their thing so it's not those eagles but that our bodies basically reconstitute and renew themselves every seven years naturally that's the natural process of our body so aging as we have come to understand it really goes counter to the way the body was originally designed. It was designed to consistently renew itself. So we have to understand that what 
ultimately causes that is I have to develop a belief system around my body breaking down, my body aging and things of that nature. And so satisfying my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Well, what does that potentially mean? Well, there's a couple of elements. What, how is my mouth satisfied? One can be through the foods that I eat. So good things, things that feed the body, that's one area. But I think another one that's equally, maybe I think potentially more important than the food that I put in my mouth are the words that I put in my mouth. The belief system from whence those words originate. Because remember, every word that comes out of my mouth originates as a thought. So all a word is, is a communicated thought. So the words that come out of my mouth ultimately are just an expression of the thoughts that I have, of the belief system that I have. And as my belief system modifies, as it changes, then my my language will change. My words will change. And I can begin immediately to satisfy my mouth with good things, good words, life-giving words, life-affirming words in all that I do. And that's going to produce a better, better outcome. And there was, once again, on a uh, video that I watched last night, the gentleman was saying that we should actually start to adopt the mentality that every word that we say has value and that every word that we say matters and that every word we say has power. And if we actually thought that way, if we actually believed that way, then what we say, how we say it, would change dramatically. And, and I, think, I think he's right on that, that point because I think many times we discount the power of our words and more importantly, the power of the thoughts that are behind those words. The Bible makes it clear that the power of life and death is in our tongue. We have the ability to give life to things with our words. We have the ability to speak death to things with our words. And that's death in a physical sense, but many times the death of killing the life-giving power of that belief or the life-giving power of the dream or the life-giving power of the idea that we are pursuing. And we can do that with our belief system. And we can do that ultimately as it is, as it is expressed through our words. And so as we're you know, digging into the manifestation of the life principle, you know, one of the elements of this is what life are we manifesting now? And to evaluate that life and determine, do I want more? Do I want more of what it is that I'm manifesting or do I want something different than what's currently manifesting in my life? And if it's something different, then that begins as Troward says, with the beginning recognition that A, the power is within me, B, that through self-contemplation, I can generate something different, that something different is not bound by precedent, meaning I personally may have never experienced it. I don't have to know anyone that has experienced it. There doesn't have to be a record of anyone ever on the planet having experienced it principle is not bound by the precedent. Does it violate the law of life? Does it violate the law of beauty? Does it violate the law of love? 
if it does not violate those laws, then it is perfectly appropriate for us to set about to manifest that reality in our existence. We can actually do that. There's no law against that. And so we're off to a fast start here in chapter four, the manifestation of the life principle. We'll continue this chapter next time. As always, we would love to hear from you. So please feel free to drop us a comment. Also, I'd love it if you would like this show and give us a five-star rating. And if you would like to learn more about Infinite CEO and and this way of thinking and this way of living and doing, please visit InfiniteCEO.com. That's InfiniteCEO.com. I want to thank you again for joining us on Infinite Coffee, and we'll see you next time.